piecing it all together. I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders. This is episode three. And so uh, we want to thank you for tuning in. First episode, we just introduced ourselves a little bit. Second episode, we talked about the farm or where we're recording, kind of headquarters for the podcast at this point. And now we're going to jump into some topical stuff. Yeah. So thank you for tuning in. And if you found us, you probably know that there's a play on words happening in that we are piecing P-E-A, piecing it all together. And so that's going to be a challenge with today's topic. Yeah. So um, uh, it's interesting you were used the word topical because you use a topical when there is a sore or some kind of an ailment, right? Oh, yeah. And so we've got a sore and an ailment that's pretty looming right now Oof, in society. An open wound. Yeah. And that is the immigration issue and separating children from their parents at the border. So, and, and we know that those are um, several different issues, um, but uh, and they also can be talked about in some ways together. So, I knew we were going to be talking about this today, and so as I drove down here, one of the things I was thinking about is, I have heard you so often, you have this, um, this triplet of things you talk about with the stranger, mm-hmm. right, and the alien, you talk about widows and orphans. Yeah. You have a very particular, I, want to, I don't want to say agenda, I want to call it a loyalty, mm-hmm. but you have definitely prioritized those who are on the margins. I'm under the impression you get this maybe from Jesus. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty significant yeah, to me. Right. And, and we should say, you know, while this isn't uh, an exclusively a Christian program, um, we do have uh, some sort of, a, I have an allegiance to Jesus. I think, uh, Bo, you, we'd say you have an allegiance to Christianity. Is that um, I like, yeah, Christian? I like being a uh, Christian. Yeah. I'm a card-carrying member of a Methodist church. I like doing that, um, you know, I jokingly say so I don't have to follow Jesus. Uh, but that, I, know <laughs> I know it's a really cynical thing. It, yeah. It's harder to follow Jesus. It's easier to be a Christian. Yeah, so. and I, I would say, you know, my uh, if I had to name a religion, I would say Native American religion. Um, but um, but I have a special allegiance to Jesus in that that is outside of what I would call traditional Christianity. Mm. Yeah, so when we talk about this, we know that it's gonna, there's going to be some theological stuff, but we don't want to talk about every topic that comes up, whether it's something like this that's in the news or something that's happening in our own backyard or you know, whatever the issue is. Uh, we don't want to talk about it exclusively from uh, that perspective. Yeah, and I certainly don't want to act like I represent Christianity because um, to our indigenous people, um, by and large, Christianity is you know, sort of uh, led... Uh, the way to our destruction. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not in any way speaking up for Christianity, but what I will say is that everything in Scripture, and by this I mean what the Christians call the Scriptures, um, uh, I view through the lens of the words of Jesus. Mm. And so um, those are, I do not find inconsistent with my native beliefs. Yeah. So. So some of you may be thinking to yourselves, hold on, I thought you guys were going to talk about immigration and children being removed. Why is this a a religious issue now? Well, Jeff Sessions is the cause of that, right? So our attorney general, the highest legal officer in the land, brought up a scripture out of Christian scriptures. Now, first of all, I'd like to say, what do you think he would do if we had one of our uh, uh, Muslim 
uh, leaders in uh, uh, Congress um, stop and try to create policy based on what the Quran said. They would probably call it Sharia. Yeah. And, you know, shoot it down. So if we are a land and that, uh, that professes freedom of religion, and that means freedom uh, from binding ourselves to any one religion, then we should be as incensed about what, what Jeff Sessions did um, just for the fact that um, he is sort of trying to be exclusive and create policy uh, and backing that policy up from the Christian scriptures. So... There's going to be a lot, obviously, in this short episode for us to pull at. This thing is a really big, it's a knot, right? There's a lot of, it's a rat's nest at this point with intertwined themes. Yeah. But it is worth noting, so we've got a couple things we're going to have to attend to and just see if we can pull them apart and, and splice them out a little bit. The first is this misquote of Romans 13, or out of context, I should say, of Romans 13, which is the passage that, that Sessions quoted. Then you have Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's the press uh, spokesperson for the administration, doubled down and said that Scripture actually validated um, uh, border policies, which is fascinating. But then you have the subsequent thing, which is that religious leaders and thinkers uh, from around the country are coming forward um, with uh, both official statements and political action to say... Um, this cannot stand, both as a humanitarian issue, right? Just as, just as a, a, a compassionate people. Yeah. Let alone the fact that you have now injected into this religious themes, right? And so the the whole thing is getting conflated in a really ugly way. Yeah. And one of the things I'll address that you you mentioned this this idea of my allegiance to this shalom mm-hmm. um, philosophy, if you will, or or spirituality, I guess it would be a better name. Um, where I believe shalom is the sort of theme for all humanity, and I think you will find it in uh, in in throughout the world's religions, um, and I think um, many of those religions would point to the same thing and say that uh, when there are the most disenfranchised in society, the most marginalized peoples, those are the ones that you need to take care, make sure you take care of, because that will tell you whether you have peace or shalom. And, and so uh, among our native people, for example, um, you are our indigenous people in America, uh, Native America, um, you, you had this ethic of hospitality. And so regardless of what Hollywood tells you and James Fenimore Cooper and all the rest, we had basically an open border policy that invited strangers. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and until they do us wrong. And so... That hospitality uh, was extended time after time, maybe not in every single occasion, but there was this ethic of harmony. Um, And part of that ethic is both generosity and hospitality. And that hospitality is the one that that says you you treat people who are down on their luck or who are foreigners or who are strangers, wanderers, who who need a uh, a meal or whatever. You treat them well initially. Um, And uh, uh, and so that. Uh, as my um, adopted Kiowa dad used to say, um, in our old ways, um, when you feed somebody a meal, that would give them life for one more day. So you're giving them life. Mm. 
So one of the things that they teach us to do, I, I studied at Claremont, one of the things that we often had to do is before we said anything, we, we needed to locate ourselves so that people knew how to hear what we were saying. And that became one of my favorite practices. So I'm just going to locate myself in this conversation. I was born in the United States, but when I was in high school, my parents um, moved to Canada, and so we became landed immigrants in Canada. Uh, four years later, my folks moved back to the States, but I remained in Canada and I ended up becoming a dual citizen with Canada. I just need people to know that because that flavors and seasons my perspective on both immigration and refugees mm-hmm. as a dual citizen who was formerly a landed immigrant. Um, I know what it is both to cross borders a little bit and um, to, to deal with different governing authorities. And so, you know, when I became a, a dual citizen of Canada, you know, I had, to, I had to take a pledge. Well, you know, I was born in the U.S. I didn't have to take a pledge to become American. But when I had to pledge a certain allegiances to become Canadian, it really called into question, uh, who am I loyal to? Who, what is my allegiance? When... At what level is my life could be requested, whether in military service or right in whatever capacity that is? So I don't come at this um, as a neutral observer. So yeah, I'm just going to show and, my cards. And neither do I. I'll show my cards a bit. So, so I was born in the United States of America. Um, my uh, most of my uh, non-indigenous ancestors came early, early on. So. Their stories are not known uh, and well forgotten. So I'm talking about in the 16, early 1700s. Oh, wow. So um, we've been here a long time. Uh, my indigenous ancestors, of course, they were the ones who had people invade them. Um, and so I, I look at it. Um, I've always identified myself as an indigenous person, even though I have uh, all of this running through my personal uh, DNA. So, um, so I'm looking at it also as a native person. Um, and uh, thinking that, you know, in some ways I think, well, any immigration policy past 1491 is too little too late. You know? <laughs> oh. So, so it, it, it is somewhat hypocritical yeah. um, to try, and, and this is not, and we have to say again, you know, um, although I'm no fan of Trump, um, it was also, these. there were some pretty horrendous policies under, you know, um, uh, Obama um, and in uh, Bush and others. Um, I mean, Obama chose to uh, jail mothers with children, right? And um, and, and enforce that chief. policy. They called him the deporter in chief. Yeah, point. and and it's been going on forever. So we have you know our our whole over a hundred years of Native American residential boarding schools where children were coerced, ripped, and forced away from their families and sent away to foreign uh, boarding schools, foreign to them, out of their own land. And, uh, and there they were raped and tortured and uh, brainwashed and uh, used as enslaved people for, as farm workers and um, domestic workers and all of those kinds of things. And so this is nothing new. Um, what would be new is if they were tearing white children away from uh, their parents. But it it's seems to always uh, kind of America's history is to, to rip the other away, right? The, and remember, the first immigration policy here was in the 1880s, and it was the Anti-Chinese uh, Exclu- Chinese Exclusionary Act. 
Um, and so um, before that, you know, even the Irish had a hard time. The Italians had a hard time. You know, there were num- numerous peoples in the, the journey is to try to make everybody basically sort of like, like aspire to be a, a, a white landowning male, right? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of been the, the way that this country began, and it's been the philosophy. And we have an opportunity now in something as tragic as this to address that and to say, no, we're not going to take this anymore. Those generations, all that happened, but, but we're going to stand up against this because it's our time now. Well, I want to tackle this from two different perspectives. Uh, the second one I would like to do is just talk a little about that passage that, that got quoted in Romans 13. But before that, I think it might be interesting um, for you to talk about this group that you've both been invited to and, and now have met with online and what are you guys up to with uh, th- and this collective? Is it a statement? Um, renouncing? Yeah, um, the Border Children Theological Statement Draft. It's right now in the draft stages. But um, close to 300 um, theologians and uh, spiritual leaders wow. uh, from around the country, um, from different religious backgrounds, uh, are coming up with a statement um, to uh, to basically go on record and, and say, you know, what's wrong with what's going on. Mm. And uh, I think it's important, you know, statements, some people go, oh, it's just a statement or whatever. And, and, and uh, sometimes they lead to action, but at least for the historical record, we need to be on record as saying this is, as, as deep thinkers, people who think theologically, as people who are scholars, um, we are going on record as saying that we protest this, right? Mm. Wow. So that's a, I mean, that's a large group. That's quite um, a collection of people who from different denominational backgrounds, different educational uh, backgrounds and levels, different perspectives regionally across the country and around the world. Some of them, uh, even different religious backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my professors is in there and she's a Muslim scholar. Mm -hmm. So, uh, boy, that's quite a collection of people who are all kind of uniformly coming up uh, against this. Yeah, I, I have to say, if, if you uh, watch what's happening to these children, if you hear the, the audio tapes of yeah. when they're what they're doing, it's like the, these are the same cries that went on in, in Native American boarding school. These are the same cries that went on when they ripped um, children, uh, um, African-Americans, away uh, from their enslaved parents and they sold them off. They're the same cries of, uh, you know, uh, that have been heard. And, uh, you know, I would like to uh, in, in, uh, invoke God in this and say, Creator hears those cries. And Creator wants us to respond to the children. One of the things I love the, uh, about Jesus is he said, don't stop the children from coming to me. Mm-hmm. Don't stop the children from coming and receiving this love. And, and we are cutting them off yeah. from, yeah. From, from, from the parents' love. I think the weirdest thing for me is the, the, the use of scripture for this justification. That's bizarre. Because let me just bring up three quick scriptures. Jesus actually said, it'd be better for you to tie a, a lump of cement, a millstone around your neck and jump into the sea than for you to keep one of these little ones or harm one of these little ones. So that's right. That's a scripture. The second thing is that Jesus, when he was a child had to go to a different country and cross a border. He was for, a refugee. For, he was a refugee for his own safety. So you've got that second 
little you know precedent. But then you also have in the same scripture in the Hebrew Bible a story, a famous story about Moses. I mean, the reason Moses was put in that. Uh, reed basket and sent down the stream was because of a policy of right with the children and their mothers and the cries that would go up that's right in our very christian scriptures so it's so nutty to me to then take this really seemingly random passage in, in romans 13 and to quote it because it tells us to be good little boys and girls and to obey the governing authorities. Right. And, 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 and here's what's the craziest thing of all to me. Uh, the highest authority of the law in the land makes this statement, and yet it is the United States who is breaking the law here. Mm-hmm. Every person in the United States, regardless of citizenry, has the right to protection under the law. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we are denying protection for of life and liberty for these these uh, young people and and um and 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 I think our uh, we we I know we have laws against this they they come out of the Nuremberg trials and everything sort of um human rights laws and uh, we're violating those at every turn and then he's saying uh now you have to obey us what we're doing and and that is not the way people should be using scripture that's the way evil people and evil dictators have used scripture in the past it, the, this use of scripture is so jaded and so calculated and so cynical it's disgusting yeah. it's nutty so two quick things um, as we wrap up our time so the Romans 13 passage does contain passages that say you know obey governing authorities blah 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 that's true. It's just funny to me that if you continue in that very same chapter, you come into verses that say, like in verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except to continue the debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Right? Uh, continuing down. Uh, what, says, that, what does that mean? Whoever loves is fulfilling the law. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's, I'm, spe- I'm almost dumbfounded by this. But, um, you know, it continues down in verse uh, 10. It says, uh, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So it's just picking passages out of taking them out of their context. Mm-hmm. They can just be used in such harmful ways. Yeah. And he's using it. I mean, uh, Paul's admonishing Christians in Rome. Mm-hmm. This is what the whole book of Romans is about. It's written to Jewish followers of Jesus and Gentile followers of Jesus. And he's admonishing them to obey the law. So the assumption then is that Jeff Sessions is saying that we are a Christian country. That is a wrong assumption. Mm. Interesting. So the last thing I want to say on this subject is I had read, this is more than 10, 15 years ago, I had read um, a commentary on this passage from a pretty famous thinker named Stanley Hauerwas. He's kind of an Anabaptist. Um, one of his, his famous books is Resident Aliens. He has a, a, The Peaceable Kingdom. He has some really famous works. But he had an interesting take. He studied with uh, John Howard Yoder. And so, uh, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought so. Um, they had a really interesting take that said, Anytime you read a passage of scripture and it has a big number, like 13 after it, you have to know what comes in those first 12. So you can't just start in 13. And Hauerwas used this as an example to say, if you read even one chapter earlier in Romans 12, it sets the context for how authority should behave. 
And it's when authority is behaving that way, then in 13 you can say to obey it. Hmm. But when it is not following up on that covenantal expectation uh, that you're under no obligation to behave it, that it has to be in the context of what comes in chapter 12. I don't know if people would find that helpful, but I always remember Howard Walsh using Romans 13 as an example you know, of reading a chapter out of context. And then that same stupid verse pops up this week and I go, oh my goodness, I can't believe that that's the passage. Well, obviously Jeff Sessions is no theologian, but he should know better yeah. as the highest authority in the law on the land. You know, I just heard this morning, I don't know if this is true, I actually heard that he is in my denomination. He's a United Methodist from Alabama and he actually teaches Sunday school at the church. I don't know if that's true, but I just heard that this morning. Well, that makes sense because this is what we call Sunday school theology. So, Well, listener, thank you for uh, tuning in. We would love to hear uh, your feedback. And obviously, as this statement goes forward, we'll let you know about further developments. And you can let us know uh, by emailing us at piecingitalltogether at gmail.com. That's right. So um, that's P-E-A-C-I-N-G, it all together at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and like the page. Please go to Patreon and support us. Um, if you want to um, fund and support the podcast at the $1 level, it will get you into a Facebook, a private Facebook group so we can be in conversation together. At the $10 level, you will get your emails or audio uh, questions read or played on the podcast and give direction to future episodes. And at the $20 level, you'll get an invitation every other month to a live recording online through a program called Zoom, where your voice will actually be heard on the podcast and you can contribute to the live recordings in conversation. Yeah, so you can um, also just go to our, our website, PCingItAllTogether.com or our Facebook page, uh, Piecing It All Together. So this is episode three. Episode four is going to be Randy and Edith in conversation with Thomas J. Ord at my church. They'll be recorded last fall up in Vermont Hills at Southwest Portland. And episode five, we're going to return to the importance of place and talk about different uh, perspectives on um, being rooted and grounded in the actual land. There we go. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Yeah.